Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk Church. How are we doing this morning? Doing all right? Some of you are watching online. We're, we're so thankful that you're here. One of the things that has been a challenge probably for some of us as uh, we have been in, in the last maybe six or seven months, and, and maybe you've experienced this yourself, is uh, many of you who were not trained to be teachers or principals of schools have become teachers and principals and PE coaches and, and all the different parts of a school that, that you want to have so that your kids get educated. And, and, and the, the neat thing about this that your teachers probably are thankful for is that some of us are finally realizing it wasn't always the teacher's fault that our kids weren't doing well. You know, before we were all teachers and principals, it was like, well, if those dang teachers would get it together, my perfect kid would do awesome in school. And then we realized that, wow, it actually wasn't always the teacher's fault. And, you know, maybe my kid had a little bit to do with uh, not doing so well in school. But, but you've experienced some of that. And, and what is good, kind of jokingly, but, but in, in a real way, what is good is we have a ton of great teachers in our community. And uh, we have a lot of great teachers and educators even amongst our church here at CityWalk. And, and, and you know this, when you think about a great teacher, and we have some of them here even with us this morning, uh, a great teacher is somebody that obviously loves students and loves what they do, but they, they have an ability to take things that are maybe more complicated and, and take things that are tougher to understand and really explain them in a way, whether it's to a kindergartner or to a 10th grader, explain it in a way that's practical, easy to understand, and, and you, you have the ability to use it. Unfortunately, and maybe you experienced this growing up, whether you're watching online or, or whether you're here this morning, you, you probably had some teachers growing up that, that, man, they were brilliant people, and they even loved children, but they weren't necessarily really good at taking the brilliance in their mind and explaining things in a way that was easy to understand and, and where you had the ability to really apply in a practical way what they were teaching. You may have experienced this not just in, in school, but you may have experienced this in athletics, where, where you had a coach that, man, the coach had so much knowledge. They, had, they even maybe were a great player themselves, but when it came to explaining things and really helping you get better and giving you insights that were practical, they weren't really good at, at kind of doing that for you, even though they were brilliant, Maybe you experienced that in the church, where, where you had maybe a, a somebody that was, man, they knew the scriptures, man, they just knew it so well, they were on point theologically, they, they understood, maybe they had several degrees by their name, and, and they had a title, 
But man, it was hard for you to understand, man, the brilliance in their mind and all the things that they knew. You, You walked out and you thought, man, that's probably all true, but how does that apply to my real life? I don't, it's hard to make the connection between those big truths and the normal life that I have. And over the past few weeks, we've been looking in the book of Proverbs and the, our teacher has been a guy by the name of Solomon. And Solomon was the type of guy that was brilliant and wise, but was also had the unique ability to take his brilliance and his wisdom and make it very practical and, and help us understand things that would really help us apply things to our life in a real practical way. And if you know anything about Solomon, whether you grew up in church or not, Solomon was the third king of Israel. He was the son of David, and during his 40-year reign, he was known for two things. He was known for his wisdom, tons of wisdom, and he was known for his wealth. He was an extremely wealthy guy. And the book that we've been looking at is actually called Proverbs. It's in the Old Testament. And in this book are a few hundred of Solomon's wise sayings. And one of the things we've seen over the past few weeks is how Solomon, this guy that was brilliant and knew you know, so much and probably was always the smartest guy in the room, he, in a very unique way, was able to take his wisdom and he was able to explain it in a way that even a child could understand. And if you're the type of person that, man, before you read a book, you want to know the main idea and you like, hey, before I dive into this thing, I want to know what this thing's kind of all going to be about, then you would love Solomon. Because Solomon, in the very first chapter of the book of Proverbs, this book of wisdom, he, he lays out just very clearly kind of what the key to the whole book is. And we looked at it a few weeks ago. It's Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. And if you had to narrow the the whole book down to one thought, this is what the thought would be. This is the theme that Solomon lays out that really has implications on the whole book. It says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The, the fear of the Lord, when, when we talk about fear, and we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, it's not, we're not talking about a scary movie. We're not talking about uh, being afraid of a snake or a spider. When we think about fear, we think about those things. When Solomon talked about the fear of the Lord, he was talking about reverence or awe. Here in our area, we have the privilege to have Beale Air Force Base right here in our area, and, and we even have... Uh, several guys and gals that work there at the base and are in the military and they're a part of our church. And because we live so close to Beale Air Force Base, every now and then, and you've had this happen probably, you'll look up in the air and and there'll be uh, some type of an aircraft that's flying over. It might be a jet, helicopter, and, and you look up and we've even had it while we've been here at church where we go outside and you see some things flying over and it's pretty awesome. It's awesome to see these, these jets, these aircraft, these helicopters, and even from a distance, you're, you're, you're pretty impressed by them. But we have some people at our church, and maybe you're one of those people that have seen those up close. 
And as cool as it is to see it from several thousand feet and to watch it fly over, there's something probably much more powerful about being next to it when it starts to take off and you feel and hear the power and you see the speed and it's breathtaking. It, it leaves you like you, you don't really have words for the power, the speed that some of these aircraft have. It's, uh, you're in awe. And when Solomon was talking about the, the beginning of wisdom, when he was talking about the fear of the Lord, this is what he's talking about. He's talking about that, that awe or that reverence. He, he says the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Another way to say it is this. The starting line for wisdom is not your head knowledge, but we're talking about taking that head knowledge and putting it into practical steps where we can apply it to our life. And so over the last few weeks, we, we've talked about how reverence for God, how wisdom affects our words. We talked about that last week. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how reverence for God affects our work ethic. It affects our integrity. It affects our, our friendships. The wisdom that Solomon's talking about, that reverence for God, has implications on every area of our life. And today, we're going to lean into the wisdom of Solomon in an area that impacts every one of our lives every single day. And it's the subject of money. You're like, oh great, the one week I decide to come to church... And the dude's talking about money. You pastors, you guys are all the same. And maybe for you, and let's just be honest, whether you grew up in church or not, the church world hasn't always done a good job explaining or using money. Let's just all, we can all admit that. But here's what I'll promise you this morning. I don't have a city walk jet out back. And I'm not going to try to sell you a prayer hanky at the end of the service but if we, I mean, if we had some, we'd just give them to you, but, but we don't, we're not going to try to sell you. But here's what we are going to do. Instead, what I want to do is I want to sit down with one of the wisest men that ever lived, and I want to gain some insight that will help us use our resources in a way that both pleases God and gives us freedom. And so follow along with me. It'll be in the app. It'll be up on the screen as, as we hear from Solomon in this area of money, and we see how reverence for God, how wisdom practically plays out in a real practical way. He says this, be not wise in your own eyes. Basically what he's saying is, hey, don't be impressed with yourself. We all know people that are really impressed by themselves. And he says, don't, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't be impressed with yourself. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Basically what Solomon's saying here is, hey, don't be impressed with your, your own knowledge. Don't be impressed with how much you know. Instead, have reverence for God. Fear the Lord. And when you do that, you'll turn away from evil and, and that will produce some health. It will it'll produce some physical, some mental, some emotional health. That's a healthy thing to do. Every single one of us, and you might say, I don't have to look far because I am the person. But we all know people 
that made a train wreck of their life. They used their resources in a terrible way. And it all started with them knowing everything. They, they were so impressed with themselves. They weren't teachable. They kind of knew everything. And so they began to use their resources in a way that would be consistent with somebody that knows it all. And because of that, their life wasn't a picture of health. Their life was a picture of chaos and hurt. And what Solomon's saying is, hey, don't be wise in your own eyes. Let's, we all know we don't know it all, so don't pretend you do. Instead, fear the Lord, have reverence for the Lord, and turn away from evil, and that will produce some health. That will produce some physical, some emotional, some spiritual health. And then he says this in verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. This word honor basically means value. Show value to the Lord. Show the Lord that he's valuable to you and do that with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. See, the custom when this was written, even for pagan religions, even for religions that had nothing to do with the God of the Bible, the, the custom was people had an obligation to take the first fruits of their harvest. So most of those people, they were, they were farmers, and, and there was an obligation even in secular religions where people knew that, hey, the very first and best that we get back from our harvest, we are obligated to give that to our God. But here's the problem. The word obligation would seem to cancel out the honor part. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm obligated to give you something, am I really doing it to honor you and show you value? That the whole obligation part seems to cancel out the honor part. And this may be how you were taught about money as it relates to religion. And maybe you were taught that, hey, if you, if you make a dollar, then you need to give 10% of that dollar to God. And if you'll do that, God will be happy with you. God will be, you'll have God on your good side. And so you didn't do it maybe out of worship or out of honor. It was more like, hey, obligation, want to keep God on my good side. And so I got to make sure every dollar I make, I give 10% of it to God because I definitely don't want God on my bad side. But now Solomon, he's kind of turning this thing on its end and he's saying, he's using the word honor. And he's saying, honor the Lord by giving him your first and your best. See, no matter where you are as it relates to faith, all of us are intuitive enough to know that this is more than just flipping a switch. This is something that has to do with the heart. Like this isn't just, oh, okay, I need to honor instead of be obligated. Let me just flip that switch inside of me and that all change. Now, this is bigger than flipping a switch, isn't it? It's a heart thing. In fact, Jesus in Matthew 6, 21, he said it this way. He said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So this, this money thing and, and what we do with it and why we do what we do with it is, is much bigger than just a decision. This is something that has to do with heart. And, and because this is a heart issue, it really leads us to what would seem to be a pretty important and obvious question. And here's the question. 
What is the key to moving from obligation to honor? So if this is a heart issue, and if Solomon is telling me that, hey, part of spiritual health, part of fearing the Lord, part of, part of honoring the Lord is to give him my first and best, but not do it out of obligation, but do it because of the value you have for God. So what's the key from, from moving it from, because some of us, we grew up where it was more like, I just got to write the check. I just got to keep God happy to, I value God. I value my relationship with God. I'm so thankful for what he's done for me that this is an honor for me to honor him with my first and best. What's the key? And, and here's, because Solomon's so wise, he doesn't leave us hanging. In fact, he tells us, a few verses before what the key to moving from obligation to honor is. He says it in, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And you've probably heard this. He says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways except for your money, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Obviously, that's not. I'm, I'm, I've been to school a little bit. I can read a little better than that. But, but he says, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart from a place of deep confidence in God. When he's talking about trust, this is like deep confidence in God. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Basically, he's saying, He's saying, stop leaning on other things for support and instead have confidence in God and put all your weight on him. Lean on him. And when we do that, he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He will enable you to move forward. He will clear your path out when you trust in him and put all your weight on him. And so this statement is true. I cannot honor the Lord if I don't trust him. I cannot honor the Lord with my words, with my relationships, or with my finances if I don't trust him. See, I show God I trust him with my resources when I do a couple things. When I remember that everything I have is from him. When I remember that everything I have is from him, I'm trusting him. I'm honoring him by showing him trust, by remembering that, you know what? Every dollar in my paycheck is from God. Every room in my house is from God. Every mile I put on my car, that's from God. Every breath I take is from God. When I remember that everything I have is from him, it's one of the ways I honor him by showing him I trust him. It's by remembering. It's by never, never grabbing things like this is all mine. Sometimes, I mean, let's be honest. We all do it. We, we pretend that we're in control and we pretend that all our, this stuff is ours. 
that it was our wisdom, it was our ability, it was our, you fill in the blank. It's, hey, because I'm better than this person, I have this. And if they would get their stuff together, they could have what I have. And we actually start to believe that it was all about us. Where literally we could walk outside today and drop dead and it would be all over. And we have no control when that happens, but we pretend. And what Solomon's saying to us is, hey, man, you honor the Lord with your first and your best. And one of the ways you do that, one of the ways you show him you trust him is by remembering that every dollar, every breath, every you fill in the blank is a gift from God. I don't deserve it. And I didn't earn it. In fact, if I get what I earned, it doesn't go well for me. And I know most of you well enough to know if you get what you earned, it doesn't go well enough for you either. I trust God. I honor him when I remember everything I have is from him. But I, a second way I show God I trust him is when I give my first and best from a heart of gratitude, not out of obligation. The idea of giving your first and best to God it's not a terrible idea. It's a great idea. It's, it's what we should do. But we should never do it. In fact, the, the scripture says, and in, in, uh, Paul writes, he says, man, you, you shouldn't give from a heart of obligation. You shouldn't give like, oh, I'm obligated, so I'll do it. Or somebody's watching, so I'll put some money in. No, it should be, hey, on my own, I was lost. On my own, I'm a train wreck. But because of your grace, because of your sacrifice, Jesus, I am made new on the inside. My life is different today. I have an eternity sealed with you in heaven. And because of that, I cannot help but be grateful. And because of that, what a privilege it is to give you my first and best. And I show you that I honor you by doing that. See, none of us, and we don't set out to waste our money. We don't set out to stay up at night and not be able to sleep because we're worried about bad decisions we made with our finances. We don't set out to hurt people because of the bad decisions that we made. We don't set out to do that. And here's what's, here's what's good. If you're in a place where you have made some bad decisions, there's hope. And if you're in a place, and I know we have a lot of young couples and, and some young people in our church, if you're in a place where you're getting started and want to make good decisions from the beginning, there's hope. And here's the first step. I'm going to give you a first step that if you will follow this it will change the game for you. And here's the first step. Put your treasure where you want your heart to be. Let me read that because it's like, eh, didn't Jesus say something like that? But I think you switched some words around, Chris. If you want to honor God as a young person that says, hey, I want to one day just, I want to do the right thing with my finances. Or if you're in a place where you've made some terrible decisions, it's like, man, I want to start over. I want to have hope. Put your treasure where you want your heart to be. Try it. Next time you get paid, set aside your first and best and put it where you want your heart to be. 
Right, right now, you, for some of you, you'd say, man, if I'm honest right now, I'm extremely selfish. I never or rarely think about God as it relates to finances. When I get paid, when I get money, I never think about how I can serve God with it. I usually only think of myself, but I don't want it to be that way. That's just how it is. If that's you, and, and if we're honest, that's probably a lot of us, then remember the statement that we talked about earlier. And that statement is this, I cannot honor the Lord if I don't trust him. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, in, in, uh, he said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's what Jesus said. He said, read Matthew 6. If you struggle with worry, anxiousness, and that would probably be everyone in here, read, read Matthew 6. And in Matthew 6, Jesus says, as he's talking about, he's saying, why are you worrying so much about money? He says, can you look out in the field? you see those flowers? You think they worry about their leaves? You think they spend a lot of late nights up because they're worried about how things are going to turn out with their colors this year? No. And look how, look how nice and beautiful I make those. And, and those are just trees. And they're just flowers. And you're much more valuable to me than those things. And they're not worried. So why are you? And he says, hey, where your heart is, your treasure and your heart go together. I mean, you know this. If you want to know what's important to somebody, don't listen to their mouth. Look at their schedule and their checkbook. Or their, not checkbook, because you probably don't use that anymore. Look at their online bank account. I mean, don't, don't tell me what's important to you. Uh, you. I can sit up here and tell you what's important. Oh, this is so important to me. Say, hey, Chris, show me your bank statement and your schedule the last month. Uh, that, that'll tell me what's important to you. I don't need you to chat about it because we all chat about it, but where our money and our time goes, that's where what's real important to us. And so here's what I would challenge you to do. If you're, if you're in a place where you'd say, hey, Chris, man, I want to honor God with my resources. Maybe you're, you've made some bad decisions and you, man, I just, I, I want to see some changes or maybe you're a young person, you're a young couple, and you say, man, I, I want to start the right way. This prayer, I encourage you to make this a prayer, and maybe this is a prayer that you pray every single morning before you start your day. Jesus, I trust you, and I am going to put my treasure where I want my heart to be. And for you, your treasure is your time and your finances. And so for you, you say, Jesus, I trust you today. Help me to allocate my time, my opportunities, my finances. Help me to allocate those in the places that I really want my heart to be, that would bring honor to you, that would show you how much I value you. See, just imagine, just think about it. Imagine just a year from now. Imagine what your life would look like just next year at this time if you decided right now, from this day forward for the next year, I am going to show God his value and honor him by how I use my treasure, my time, and my money. I'm just, just for a year, I'm going to... 
do my best and ask God to help me to use my treasure to honor him, to show him how much I value him. How would your life look different a year from now? As I think back to our journey as a church, I think back at the many, many people that will never, ever, ever sit where you're seated. That before City Walk Church was even a real thing, gave from all over the country generously because they wanted what is happening now to be a reality. I remember Mark Green was with me three years ago in August, this past August, on a very rainy Central Florida night. I stood up on a stage at Centerpoint Church and we went live on Facebook and we talked about a church that we wanted to be to look more like a hospital than a country club. We talked about a church that we wanted to be known around its city for astonishing generosity. We, we didn't have a church yet. We were, we were excited to start one, but, but those were things that we said, man, we want this church to look like a hospital, not a social club. We want this church to be known not for all the things it's against, but for its astonishing love and generosity to its community. And in fact, one of our values reads this. It's one of our seven values we have as a church, and it's simply this. We are generous because we follow Jesus, the most generous person in history. We are generous because we follow Jesus, the most generous person in history. And so, City Walk Church, we're excited today to introduce to you our season of generosity. We're going to introduce to you, if you remember, as a, a young church this past year, just that we were just not even a year old, we did this last year at this time, and it was one of the highlights of our church history so far. And last year, we, I remember we, we did 50 operation, we, we set a goal for 50 operation Christmas child boxes, and uh, you guys, we, we ended up with 75, we, we set a goal to to give away a few thousand dollars to our community. And you guys came strong and we were able to give away several thousand dollars. And so we're going to do this again this year. And, and some people would say, man, this is kind of a crazy time, man. You're, you're, you're a church that's not even two years old. You're in the middle of a global pandemic. But in, in the midst of all that, we will not stop being generous because that's what we're called to do no matter what's going on in our world. And so let me give you two goals that I want you to pray about and I want you to get involved in. And if you're somebody that doesn't call City Walk home and you're maybe not a follower of Jesus, here's what my hope is. That you don't, we're not asking you to get involved, but here's what my hope is, is that you will look at this and say, you know what, maybe I should lean into Jesus if this is what he's all about. Our first goal. Last year, we did 75 Operation Christmas Child boxes. This year, we'd like to do 125. So we got two, just over two weeks. On your way in, you saw those boxes. And I'm going to encourage you as a family, as a single guy, single gal, to pick up a box or two, maybe three, maybe four. And, and let's do this. Let's 125 boxes that we can send around the world to give hope to children. Let's watch a quick video about Operation Christmas Child in case you're not familiar with it. 
in the scripture saying in Jeremiah that he have a future, he will not abandon us. I was born in the Philippines and growing up in a poor family and living in a tiny house, no stove. We just used wood and cooking. And growing up, um, I did not receive any gift. Sometimes we got to bed empty stomach. And when I was a child, I have favorite memory verse. It says in the scriptures in Psalms 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. I decided to have my own clients, but my mom could not afford something like that. One day, our pastor inviting us for an event for the church. I saw these big brown boxes, and so my teacher handed me the shoe box. I'm so excited to open it. Teacher counted three, two, one, and then we opened it together with the other kids. And when I opened my shoebox, I saw a lot of items in there, like the hygiene, I have a washcloth, pencils, and I have stuffed toys. And in my joy, I see a full box of crayons. I am grateful in that moment, knowing that there is people who pack a shoebox gift for me. And I am blessed because they uh, send me a box of gift that brings joy for me. I become a, a training teacher of the greatest journey, and it's impacted to me because I see those children going to church with their families, and I see their smiles and joy in their eyes that when they receive um, the shoe boxes that I felt when I was received it. I moved in the United States in 2016. I got married and I have two kids. And so I become a yearly volunteer for shoe boxes in our church. I am so grateful for being involved in this ministry and Operation Christmas Child, knowing that through packing shoe boxes, I am allowing children all over the world to the love of Christ and bring joy to them. So we're excited about this year, a goal of 125 boxes. And so on your way out, you'll be able to pick up. You don't have to use those boxes if you want to buy a little plastic box. I know some of you like doing that. Grab those boxes. There's some uh, pamphlets that kind of tell you uh, how to pack your box and some of the stuff that you uh, want to put in that, some of the stuff you don't want to put in it. And uh, what's neat is in every single one of these boxes, these children, they get toys and all those things, but they also get in their language uh, the story of Jesus. And uh, we're connected to some people in Bangladesh that are actually one of the places that these boxes go to. And they connect these children to a local church. And so it's, it's a lot more than just giving them a box, but it's also bringing to them the hope of Jesus. And so it's an exciting thing. And, and we want to just be over the top generous this year and pack 125 of uh, those boxes. Uh, another thing that we're going to do this year, if you remember last year, uh, we set a goal and, and we want to set a goal this year. We want to raise $5,000 above and beyond what we already give. 
Uh, we want to raise $5,000 above and beyond. Many of you are generous. You tithe, you give. Uh, but we want to raise $5,000 above and beyond that between now and December 13th. And we're going to give every single dollar of it away. If, if more comes in than $5,000, we are going to give, away, give it all away. And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to give half of it to our local community. In fact, here in just a second, Pastor Chris Dowdy is going to come. He's going to interview a few people from our community, a few organizations we're going to be helping. And so we're going to give some finances to them to help them. And we're also going to give some finances to help in church planting and really a specific church planter that's going to be planting a church. And so I'm going to have Pastor Chris come and Emily and Kristen are going to come and he's going to share a little bit about some of the places we're going to be giving finances to our community. So we're really glad to be here this morning. This is a, a great season for our church to be able to enter into generosity. And the first organization we wanted to work with was a women's friend. Um, so I, I, I know very little about a women's friend, but what I've heard is, is fantastic. So why don't you take the opportunity to tell us a little bit more about, about you and your organization? My name is Kristen Bird. I'm the executive director of a Woman's Friend Pregnancy Resource Clinic. We provide free pregnancy testing, ultrasounds, parenting classes, um, a baby boutique, which is gently used clothing up to two years of age. So the ladies can come in and they can come in a store. Um, and this is anyone in the community um, that might be in need. Uh, we get formula and diapers and that sort of things, uh, baby furniture, anything that they might need um, during their pregnancy or even those that don't come to us. Um, we're really just here to love and provide hope to women uh, when they're in a crisis situation, when they're not quite sure what they're going to do. They don't have anybody to stand by them, um, someone just to come alongside them and tell them it's going to be okay and we'll help you through that. Um, no matter what that looks like. And so that's really what we're there for. Thank you very much, Kristen. So how can we as a church help you guys in what you're doing? Definitely by prayers. Um, definitely through partnering with us in any way that that may look like, whether it's volunteering or, um, you know, fi financials or events or anything like that. But uh, one of the main things that has really been affected throughout this year is our, um, we call them Layette gift bags, but every baby that's born, we give a gift bag. It's really big and we fill it with brand new items. And so it can be crocheted blankets that some ladies make for us, burp cloths, um, sleepers, outfits, onesies, hats, um, diapers, wipes, toiletries, and these are all brand new items that we give to these moms so that they just have a, a nice start to uh, being able to bring their babies home. And so that's a huge need for us with COVID. We haven't had a lot of churches uh, do baby showers like they usually do. So we're running a little low on our supplies in that area. Thank you very much. That's fantastic. Um, really good organization. Hope we can get more involved with you. Um, now, Emily, we know Emily. Emily is a, a regular member here with us here at CityWalk, and, and we were able to help you and your organization last year even. So uh, if you don't mind, give us a, a little rundown of who you are, what you do, and, and how we were able to help you last year. Yeah. Um, my name's Emily Gerritsen. I work with Youth for Change, which is here in Yuba City and Marysville. Um, we work a lot with foster kids and also like adoptive kids that have a lot of behavior issues or um, just traumatic experiences that have affected their daily life. Um, so I work 
I used to work as a behavior specialist working with them in the classroom, in their homes, really just helping them take those angry thoughts or those traumatic experiences and use them in a more beneficial way of teaching them different skills or abilities um, instead of lashing out at teachers or parents or siblings. Um, so that's been kind of what I've been doing the last two years. Um, the way CityWalk helped last year was we bought um, gifts for three different families um, of children that most likely would not get any gifts at all. Um, especially with foster kids, um, a lot of the time foster parents won't buy them those gifts. So we were able to provide, I think it was a family of six children last year that um, me and a coworker got to go and give the gifts. And just to see the excitement of them getting their gifts was so wonderful. And just knowing that our community just came together and provided those gifts um, was awesome. So that's kind of what we'll be doing this year. We're providing gifts for three more families, um, most likely a lot of foster children or families that will, they're either in and off the streets, um, just that can't provide gifts for their families. So that's kind of what we'll be doing. Um, yeah, no, it's perfect. I, I appreciate it, Emily. We, we were really glad to help you guys last year. We also, we'd love to be able to partner with some of our local schools uh, if we have that opportunity with our, with our gift this year. So that's why it's important that let's prioritize an above and beyond gift as we get into our, our Christmas time. Pastor Chris is going to come back up and uh, help us lead out with the last part here. So yeah, so half of that 5,000, if we can raise that, is going to go towards our community. And then the second half is going to go towards church planting. And uh, we as a church plant, uh, early on as we even moved out here uh, to California, when we moved out here, our goal was not to fill one auditorium. Like well, obviously we want to reach everybody in Yuba City and, and hope that we have to have several services here at some point, but that's not our goal. Our goal is not, and I heard a pastor say it this way, the way you measure the health of a church is not by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity. And so our hope is that we, over the next 20 to 30 years, will plant several churches on the West Coast in places that are dark and need light. And so we're not going to wait till we have it all together to start. And that's why even right now, we want to begin giving funds to help people in the West, the Pacific and mountain time zones, plant life-giving churches in some of the places that need it most. And this year, uh, I'm excited, and we're going to watch a video here in a second, to introduce you to Justin and Lacey McKay. And they're going to be planting in, Den in the Denver area, and I'll, I'll let them explain it. Go ahead and sh uh, show that video. Hey, City Walk Church, my name is Justin McKay, and this is my wife. Lacey. And one other person you can't see today is our daughter that is due in January 10th. We're excited about that. But we want to introduce ourselves to you guys. We are missionaries with the SEND Network here in Denver, Colorado. And the reason why we're here is to start a brand new church. And our journey in starting this new church started five years ago on our honeymoon. We visited Denver and we were struck by two things. The first was how beautiful the mountains are. They're so gorgeous. And the second was how there were so few churches here and people were so lost. And we just felt such a burden on our hearts at that time. Yeah, and we felt compelled to do something about it. And so five years later, 
we're here working with the SIN network. And right now we're in the phase of pre-launch where we're gathering uh, a launch team of 50 people and meeting as many people as we can. And specifically here in Denver, we're planting in the Old Town, Arvada area. And why God led us there uh, was for a couple reasons. One, 90% of the people in that neighborhood and region of the city is lost. They are not following Jesus. And secondly, 49% of the people in this area, about 40,000 people, uh, are millennials and Gen Z. And we're really uh, convicted about reaching that generation and young families and families that look like us welcoming new kids into the world. So that's why God has led us there. The name of our church is The Local Church. Our mission is to be a local church for local people and specifically to help people follow Jesus, build relationships, and discover their purpose. Would you pray for us? We need your prayers as we do this, and we can't do this alone. And so we need the prayers of uh, other believers uh, to help us in this journey. And so we're so thankful for that. And we're thankful for Pastor Chris and City Walk Church and your culture of multiplication. Thank you so much for letting us introduce ourselves today, and we hope to connect with you guys really, really soon. So we're excited about helping Justin and Lacey. They are uh, kind of where we were, where they, except for they're younger than Lori and I, just by a couple years, uh, but where we, where we were. And so we, and some of you were involved at that point. We remember what it was like to move to a city and start to meet people. And that's right where they're at. And February, a year from now, is when they want to plant their church and have their first service. And so we want to be a blessing to them and partner with them as they're on that journey. And so as we close this morning, uh, this morning is a different morning. Uh, because, man, we're, we're talking about some real specific things that our church can be involved in. And as I said earlier, if you're, if you're a guest today, if you're maybe not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're watching online, man, our, our desire is not to get you to give. Our desire is to give. And we hope that in a small way, even if you've been burnt by the church, if you've seen the church use money in a really bad way, that by our small example of just trying to be generous in ways that we can be generous as a, as a young church, that you would just maybe lean back into Jesus and that you would lean in and say, man, is, is this Jesus maybe different than the Jesus I walked away from? And, and if you're part of City Walk Church, if you call this home, I'd encourage you just like my family's going to do to get involved in, in doing some boxes and then to pray. And ask God, God, above and beyond what I already give, how do you want me to be a part as a family, as a single person, in helping meet that goal of $5,000 so that we can give every penny of it away to help ministries locally and then help plant life-giving churches around the West. And uh, we're, we're excited about what God's going to do. And so the boxes are due in two weeks. Our offering, our goal is to have it by December 13th. You can begin giving online. There's a tab that says Christmas Generosity, or you can write that in a memo if you give a check. But we wanted to present these to you so that you can begin to pray about how God would have you be involved. So let's pray, and then our band's going to come lead us out. Lord, I thank you for the awesome opportunity to serve you with our generosity. And God, as we said earlier, we want to be a generous church because we follow the most generous person in the history of the world. You left heaven, you left the glories of heaven to come to earth. 
You, you made yourself of no reputation. You took on the, the, the form of a bondservant, and you did that to serve and sacrifice so that we could have a relationship with God. And God, I pray that we would never forget your sacrifice, your generosity, and that that, that generosity would be the foundation that compels us to love and sacrifice for others. Lord, I pray for each individual. I pray for each family, whether they're watching online or they're here with us this morning. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom to know how we need to be involved. I pray that we would meet our goal of 125 boxes, maybe even go over it. And Lord, as we we seek to raise these funds to give them to our community and also to help plant another life-giving church in a place that desperately needs it, guide us. Guide us to know what you want us to be a part, how you want us to be a part. In Jesus' name, amen.